0: I was listening to you, um, I was just kind of thinking, like, I completely agree that we do have to understand our past. I think it's been really helpful for me to sort of understand um, where I came from and have that identity. Um, But at the same time, I also think that we're not really beholden to our ancestors in that sense that they're they're not gods, right? So, um, you know, whatever we create, we're allowed to do that on our own terms. Um, and we're allowed to sort of relinquish the bonds, um, you know, that colonialism has placed on us. And I mean, like, bonds in the sense that, like, part of the the struggle with, you know, decolonizing our thinking is, like, this sense that we have to find some pure version of who we were, um, and we have to try and build from that point. I don't think that there is a pure narrative um, you know, even within Oguashi, like, there's so many confusing narratives of, like, who, you know, who Oguashi people should be and all that stuff, who Delta people people are and all that stuff. So, um, so for me, like, when I think about it, futurism, as much as it looks to the past, it is also very much about, like, self-determination. Um, and it's about being able to like, especially given our history and the ways that evil people have been persecuted, it's about being able to have our own agency in determining what we look like, and not being beholden to, um, you know, yeah, our ancestors, to Europeans, to um, you know, the Nigerian government, or, or to anyone else. Like, being really being able to have conversations amongst ourselves about what we want in the present moment, um, and how we set up for like what comes next. So I
1: hope I didn't
2: take too long talking about all this. Video. No, you definitely um, didn't. Didn't um, I? Actually, really. I mean, you made up. You brought up some really good points about um, the fact that we are not like. We, there's really no. You can't. There, you can't be a, an Igbo purist, right? Like there's really like what is pure right now like there's so much going on and to Toshi's point earlier when she talked about how in Black Panther you know what about what people are doing here now in the continents where they, they didn't really represent what is being done right now in the continent but I think the reason why they didn't do that in Black Panther was because they were so focused on trying to create a what would the world be like if if the African if an African community was isolated Um, and so they had this stuff with the mud in the hair and they had the, the, the people with, you know, the, the old dance, the way people danced in certain, um, communities in Africa and stuff like that. So, um, but what's going on in the continent now is you're seeing a lot of people are traveling. A lot of people are, um, are getting exposure to the other parts of the world and stuff like that. So Igbo futurism today is really about traveling and it's, well, not really about traveling, but, you know. Um, there are proverbs in Igbo language that says that the person who is well-traveled is more intelligent than, um, I can't remember how that, that proverb goes. If anyone knows, you can unmute yourself and and correct me. But, um, there's a proverb in Igbo culture that says something like the well-traveled is, can, can be wiser than an old man or something like that. Um, So there is, there's, there's, there's a sort of virtue amongst Igbos in being well traveled or getting knowledge or being knowledgeable about other cultures. So when one wants to be an Igbo purist, there's a question mark there, right? So, you know, because it's like, what is, you know, that? And then obviously there's so much with, when it comes to colonization and that influence, that's influenced so much of Africa, not just colonization, but then like just, Commerce and interacting with other cultures—that to be an Ebo purist in the process of being an Ebo Af- futurist—is um, is almost hippo- like hypocritical, I guess. Um, so, what are your thoughts on that, Tochi? I think you were going to say something earlier after I spoke. So, if there's something you wanted to say, yeah, I was just going to say I really appreciate everything you
0: said. Um, that was so beautiful to hear all the the work that's been being done. We are an industrious people, so, you know, so that was um, that, I also agree with what you were saying industry, about like
1: um, expansion and um, being cosmopolitan and being informed by so many different uh, environments and experiences, and um, I think that um, there is I love the idea about us being self-determined because I think that we are, as a people, very much that. Um, I don't know that
0: our ancestors like, felt beholden to anyone. I think they were behaving in the ways that um, they determined were the best given information that they had. So I don't think they would expect us to continue uh, operating as though we still have only the information that they had and we have different information now. We have maybe um, more information now in some ways. So let uh, me think of, there's a book called Freshwater by the author yeah. Yeah, so I love that book. I identify a lot with it um, as a non-binary person. And uh, a lot of the stuff in the book was very triggering because it was very similar to my life. But um, the concept of the, the way that I think it, um, illustrated the concept of Ubanje was not uh, at a like purist um, illustration. It wasn't... Um, the exact way that it would have been, uh, that the, that the concept was like documented in our uh, history. And I, my sister actually, um,
1: interviewed them for something for like p- her job when she worked at a museum or something like that. And, um, one thing that a like book said, and I, you know, love the book, be- is Beautiful, but I have my feelings about against like, as a person. Um, but one thing that they said in the interview was that, um, they feel that like scholars are too obsessed with evidence and um
0: proof and things like that and that they wrote the book from a, a spirit from the, the point of the perspective of the spirit um and wrote what felt true spiritually and while i can appreciate um i think that there is a place for both of those approaches i think that it's very valuable to um trust our chief and uh, move in the direction creatively that like our own mood takes us and and trust in our in our own wisdom and knowledge um, and know that we have uh, you know our culture and our inheritance we have a birthright to um, embody and interpret our culture or our, our um, ancestral culture in the present. Um, but I also feel that because of our history of erasure and um, discrimination that the scholarship and, and, you know, history and academia when it comes to Igbo culture is also very valuable because if, if those things were not written down, if they, if there were people studying them and trying to preserve them as, you know, accurately as possible, we wouldn't have a lot of this knowledge and I don't think that it has to necessarily be completely thrown away or, um, disregarded in order to write like a, something that is culturally true. I think that can I, both can be true. Oh, yeah. Can, can I speak to that real quick? Because um, that's something that resonates with me really, really deeply. Um, I, I definitely don't think, especially when it comes to fiction, writing, that you have to be 100% of curious, there's always license for, um, you know, sort of creativity and all that stuff. And I think, like, you know, we have to be able to be free and creative, especially as Black people generally, um, and African people specifically, um, in how we tell our stories because we want them to stick and we want them to have objectivity. But at the same time, um, I definitely think that there's power in documenting, um, you know, truth, like facts, or, what you know, re- having real evidence and research. Um, and there's, you know, knowledge. Like, so my, for me personally, um, my whole thing is, like, trying to, like, document African women's lived in a body experience, the wealth of knowledge that African women create, and specifically, um, you know, that evil women are creating. My grandmother, um, Kamino Kondra, she was a professor of sociology, and she literally would travel around, um, you know, specifically like Igbo land, but then um, more broadly Nigeria, and just, you know, live amongst, write about what Ibo women were doing, our traditional systems and everything. And now, while I'm doing my own research and I'm literally just writing, I was, I'm just taking a break on my thesis. Um, I, and now as I'm doing my own work, I'll like, pick up a book and it's about like Nigerian women's um, liberation struggles. And she's there, cited. And it's like, the reason why evil women are able to be included in this book and have, you know, chapters upon chapters is because you know there were people who wrote about this right and like i try as much as possible in my own work to cite people women um you know to cite like just as many as i can find right like i feel like you can be intentional about the sources that you include the knowledge that you draw from because a lot of the time people are saying similar things um but it matters who is saying them and it matters how they're saying them so that's just me like trying to be like intentional um, and having that sort of like legacy in my family. I didn't even, when I started the started this sort of work, I actually didn't know that much about my grandma's work and I never really read her research papers. I just kind of stumbled upon them. Um, but that's been like really amazing. And the other thing is that I feel like there's power in it. So I, I mentioned how like in our, um, so where I came from the first, you know, Queen Omu was a woman, but no one really knew that. The only reason, and so when I tried to talk to my dad and you know some of the local you know chiefs about you know why aren't why aren't women allowed? At, why first of all my aunt and her sister were not allowed at my grandpa's burial because they were like you know traditionally women are not allowed. Um, why aren't women allowed to do certain things in the community? And they're like you know it's never been that way. And being able to actually go into the archive and say actually you're wrong. Um, and this is like a male interpretation of the history and we have actual documentation from women and from other people that says otherwise, like actually being able to contest certain things that are said so that as we build towards the future, it's not just a singular narrative or perspective. I feel like that's extremely important. Um, and that's been like really powerful and important for, you know, you know, the, in the sort of spaces that I've been in and it's definitely sort of played a role in how, um, my village is being shaped currently, so yeah, I am just really really on board with the whole you know having actual academic knowledge.
2: Awolika, is your is your thesis on Ebo or something?
0: No, so my thesis is actually so it's young Nigerian women activists, um, nation building and the politics of imagination. So it's essentially how um, young Nigerian women activists are challenging the dominant um, Nigerian social imaginary, um, but. Again, like I said, like being intentional about the sources that I'm citing and paying attention to like this the, the particularities of different groups and what they imagine.
2: OK, so um, I was actually thinking on what everyone was saying about, like, just um, again, um, the cultural perspectives that are being represented um, and, you know, women um, showing up in, in Igbo culture and, and showing um what we, like, what, what contributions women have had. And I know that there's myriad ways. And you, like you said, it's, it's a male interpretation of to say that women didn't fulfill, like, the The whole concept of ebo being a misogynist culture, I think which a lot of people say nowadays because of, because it's what some people are seeing uh now um but if you look back to the history of it, you see that women played a huge role in the preservation and in um in in kind of like maintaining a healthy ebo society. Yes, there were some practices that were kind of questionable at some points in time, but um. But there were, there's uh, the Umwada groups, there's a lot of other things, women. Participated as medicine women and of all kinds of things that that were very important to be to be considered So that's one thing I wanted to speak to because we uh, people were speaking a lot about women in different roles So I just wanted to speak to that real quick and then anyone can contribute to that But then also wanted to just throw this in there that even as we're creating for like about writing Igbo futurism or creating for the sake of Ebo Futurism, we have to remember that there are still like 40 million Ebo people still alive today in nigeria So like even as we're trying to create, um, being respectful of the fact that it's a group of people like we are in the diaspora. We know our experiences, but there are still like a lot of people who are still there today that we need to be conscious of even as we create as an extension of them. So um, so I wanted to just kind of throw that out there and make it part of the conversation. I think I I wanted to say something.
0: Yeah, I just wanted to make a quick comment, you know, about what Amalika said, you know, um, about, you know, in her hometown, people not really knowing of their full history and still kind of making assumptions as they go on. And I I think I just wanted to point that back to why, you know, um, I think Tochi and I had said earlier the importance of understanding the past and helping us move forward because sometimes what happens is things get lost in translation and then we're starting anew and sometimes it's it makes it harder to get people to understand why you are you know kind of trying to push or introduce them to a new narrative in the evil culture so you know a lot of people you know you you would you would you might get pushed back um with evil, evil uh, futurism from a lot of folks, especially where Christianity is concerned because people are like, people don't understand what you're trying to do and they think that you're trying. So sometimes pulling it back and kind of giving people proof that, okay, this is kind of where we came from. This is who we used to be. So changing or doing something differently does not make us bad. I don't know if that makes sense. You know, It's not taking us so drastically away from who we are, and we can continue to be who we are while we, you know, change the narratives about ourselves. Yeah, I think that that makes perfect sense. And actually, um, I think the thing with Nigeria as a whole is that because we were, not you know, we didn't have like direct rule, um, like some other parts of the continent, we actually were able to maintain our cultures to a large degree. Um, so while like knowledge has been lost or, you know, inter- misinterpreted and things like that, um, I kind of, even in discussions about like Christianity or religion, and spirituality, you sort of see like those traditional ideas still peeking through, like people have sort of just adapted and adopted. Um, and so I think like we've taken, you know, we've taken ownership of like, just like how, you know, there's Nigerian like, English. Um, we've taken ownership of certain concepts, and there's room to do that like a little bit more. There's room to like push, it. and I think that this is just my you know my own field but like I think that women especially have to be you know the ones sort of driving that forward, um, especially if we don't want to get left behind. But also just because that's what we've always done. So yeah, I'm really excited about a lot of the things that are happening currently.
2: Yeah, I've seen a lot of um, great work that's being done currently in um in the evil space especially on social media um and different places where people are really you know taking the bull by the horns and trying to to do stuff and and to to, again comment comment about um you know being trepidatious about uh people who are in the religious aspect of christianity or you know uh people who are very religious because they're also other religious factions in the Igbo community that can result in some pushback when you talk about Igbo futurism so um, it's like let's define our terms here what is what 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 it what is the essence of, of what we're trying what we're trying to to say and do so um so i want to i want to give uh like everybody who is interested in speaking Um, An opportunity like what is your what is your what is your understanding of Igbo and traditional Igbo, like traditional Igbo culture? Like, what is your experience with that? And how does that color your perspective on Igbo futurism? If anyone wants to talk, you don't have to. But if anybody wants to talk on speak on that, I'd love to hear it. I think mine
1: is um, my conception of uh, Igbo ancestral culture, like Igbo tradition, is very um, anchored in nature,
0: our connections with nature, our positions as uh, elements of nature, and um, our relationships to spirit, our own spirits, and um, other spirits, both in this realm and in the spirit world. And my my conceptions of anything futurism, like Afrofuturism, African futurism, there's always the element of technology that is um, integral to the to the idea. So, my my what intrigues me about evil futurism is I feel that like our culture is is very much rooted in nature. So, how do we um, incorporate technology into that worldview where nature is is um, divine and um, continue to like preserve nature and care for nature while being industrious in technological ways. Uh, that's a question that I don't have an answer to obviously. Um, and I am not involved in any of the work that people are doing to build um, in the ways that that like you mentioned I really got but um, that is I, I'm thinking more like specifically about
2: nature and technology when it comes to this topic. Um, Nonye, you just add. We just added you. If you're interested, could you introduce yourself and um, give us your thoughts on what we've been discussing?
1: Yeah, the name is Nonye. I mean, I don't have an introduction.
3: I was just going to reply to what Tucci said about technology and nature and a bunch of things. Like there's this this of philosophy that deals with materialism and then focuses on the, um, humanism. And basically when they break down materialism, it's all about how matter is a living thing, even how intangible objects radiate and how every single thing down to the last the atom is always alive. So um, even this guy Kwame Nkrumah was saying something about season, which was this book I just read. He also breaks down how the whole African traditional religion used to be based on philosophy of materialism and how we believe that random objects around us vibrate and how everything has energy. And I think for Africans as well, when, when we return to like in the future, when we're going to like merge technology, religion, philosophy, everything's going to come together because to have this whole human, like materialism, humanism, conscientism, socialism, everything's supposed to bl- like blend and just glue together. We're supposed to treat each other equally. It's just this I'm still reading this book, maybe it's confusing. But I know what the guy was saying was that technology and like philosophy and culture, everything it's always been a way of life, down to the way like the oldest philosophers used to think. They knew that the atom vibrates at its core before they decided to like take philosophy of course and start taking them, like thinking about like uh Sales and Socrates and Plato, those guys used to philosophy of course. Well apparently the philosophy was based on how, like why things are why they are, and science and African religion are like, always tied to um, materialism and humanism, and eventually technology is going to merge with our way of life when we start seeing, like, the, before this whole African revolution and before Africa can get to where it needs to get to, there's, there's so many things that we need to change in the way people think. So it's, it's eventually going to get there, something that we're going to see at some point, and there's no difference between technology and culture and our of life at the end of the day. Everything's going to, like, everything's going to merge, so that, I mean, I'm confused, bro.
2: No, it's okay. Um, <laughs> yeah,
0: thank uh, you. Yeah,
2: yeah thank sure you,
1: yes.
0: um, that, that What that puts to mind for me is that uh, yes, everything, materialism, I, have, I don't think I've heard that term before, but, um, yeah, we, we do believe that everything has achieved, so... Everything has some sort of um, spiritual essence that is beyond the tangible that we can see. You know, so I think maybe what uh, I can understand of materialism is that we can connect with those things on that level. Um, and, like that we can they can be incorporated into our into our lives, our existence on a deeper level than simply um, their physical aspects. Um, but what, what did you say that book was called that you're reading right now. Oh, it's called conscientism.
3: C O N S C I E N C I S M by Kwame Okay, thank you. I'm gonna him. Yeah, that. I was gonna say, um actually the E
0: raising philosophy. I was gonna take the question from a slightly different approach, but you raising philosophy actually just reminded me of like um of from when I was younger. Um I was really, really passionate about philosophy. Um, but I was studying Western philosophy and I got frustrated one day when they said that, um, uh, that African people don't have philosophy. Um, and I was talking to my granddad about it and said, you know, obviously that's ridiculous. That's, you know, it's a denial of humanity to say that African people don't have philosophies because, you know, if you're alive, if you're living, if you're human, if you're conscious then you have philosophy, um, you know, it's just a way of sort of, understanding, creating ways to understand, um, you know, the world around you and things that happen and all that stuff so, um, yeah, so I was just thinking about that, About it from that perspective I, mean, like, I should write a book about um, this is when I was like 13 um, I should write a book about what Igbo philosophy is, my grandpa was extra, but like um, so, so just in that vein of thought of like, what is epo philosophy, I think for me I've always sort of thought of it as being very grounded um very worldly um people being sort of in tune and interested in what is going on in the world around us so sort of sort of practical but at the same time forward thinking really wanting to understand things um and not being being kind of like humble right like there isn't a bravado to the way that we talk about things it's very much grounded in like your a true understanding of people and how they work together and what the, what's going on in the world um, and taking things for what they are uh, while at the same time perspecting for what could be. So I think that as compared to like, maybe like Yoruba cultures or some of the other cultures I've seen in Nigeria were a little bit more earthly, um, if I could put it that way. So when I think about like, what comes next for us or the future it's in that same vein of thought of like being able to take in what is going on in the world understand fully um without any sort of embellishments or um i don't know i don't know ego um understand fully like our current position understand fully what's going on with nigeria and the fact that even people are a part of nigeria you get like um we're a part of africa and so our you know like going from that sort of like practical pragmatic mindset we're intertwined with stem so whatever we create has to be in recognition of that as well and then at the same time
2: is that me or is the, did she just get go silent no.
0: sorry, sorry. sorry. Yeah. so also wanting the best for yeah. um, wanting the best for all people so being a little bit like more egalitarian but also for, like from a again practical perspective so the inclusion of women in power positions of power um the distribution of power and things like that is not just a matter of like big sentimentality it's a matter of recognizing that actually in order to progress and in order for us to be our best um, this is what's necessary. So why would we why would we deny you know people education? Why would we deny people positions of power who have that knowledge and who are capable of doing that job because of their you know sex or gender or whatever? Um, so that's when I think of like what the evil mentality or philosophy is. It's very much that sort of like you know a grounded, non-egotistical, no bravado um, way of engaging with the world.
2: Um. Yeah, I, I want to speak to that a little bit. So kind of tying together what Nonye spoke about with materialism, what Tochi talked about with, um, with technology and materialism and Igbo being an earthly culture, which is what you said, Amalika. Um, it brings me back to just Igbo and how we think about um Allah or Ani. Which is the earth goddess, right? So it's very focused on, and I, and I was kind of like, I kind of bit my lip a little bit when someone mentioned chi and kind of brushed over it because I, and how everything has a chi, um, because I feel like that is one of the central concepts in Igbo, um, cosmology. And for someone to say that Igbo doesn't have a philosophy or Africans don't have a philosophy, that's completely, um, that's, that's, yeah, they're brainwashed completely. Like, it's not, that's not true at all. We have a rich philosophy, actually. Um, it's very deep and it's very, it's, it's, it's full and it's robust. Um, so when we, t- so when someone mentioned chi and just kind of uh, how everything has a chi, there's like so much in that alone. And I want to speak about that just a little bit. So before you know the concept of chi got intertwined with with the Christian God, the chi was already a concept that that was believed to be an inside inside of each of everyone and everything. So everything has its chi, but then there's a bigger chi that is the co- common like it's this like the co- well all the chi is combined is a giant chi called qi- chuku right kike or chuku. Um, basically, everything has that chi in it. And so if you take a, um, a tree and you break off one of the branches, you now have the chi of the branch and the chi of the tree. And all these things are connected to each other. So it's kind of like a networked universe. So we're all connected through these chis that are interacting with each other and whose destinies are linked. And so when we talk about um, Igbo being an earthly or a, you know, it's a connected culture. Uh, it's a culture of being earthly or humble or all these words that people are saying. It's kind of like, um, saying that it's kind of understanding that we're all kind of connected. And so we kind of have to have a certain level of humility in terms of dealing with each other. So when Ibo has certain types of, uh, proverbs that talk about, um, which means let the hawk perch, let the eagle perch. And the one that says let the, let him, let his mate not perch, let that person's wing break off or even, um, which means, uh, whoever like is, is staying, uh, let their neighbor also stay. So it's kind of like a very, it's a, it's something that's very based on balance. Like we all are, we're all connected. So we all kind of respect each other and respect uh, each other's kind of in, in, um, um, a, a agency, you know, like, and then they have the other one that says, like that person, and like some people say, it's you and your personal god. Like that person, and whatever is driving you, whatever your whatever your destiny is, whatever your essence is, you can't really you can't really um you can't really you know speak in speak on somebody and their life and their trajectory, knowing that that person what is driving that person you have no real knowledge of. Only that person has that knowledge of their trajectory, so they have a special agency, a special a right, a special, uh, authority over that, over that, that trajectory. So whatever you say is kind of like, it's a suggestion at the end of the day. Um, it's not a rule of law. So for that person in, in, in that way. So, um, Ebo has a very kind of rich philosophy about how they do things. So when one is talking about Ebo futurism, one has to take all those things into consideration and, um, and, and 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 understand that Ebo does have a rich, rich philosophy, and so I, I wanted to really t- tap on some of those. Which is why I, um, which is why I, I, I had to like say something. So I don't know if anyone had any thoughts based off of that. Um, so
0: I just wanted to say something, but not really uh, connected to the um, philosophy of Evo uh, philosophy. Uh, I, I wanted to answer your prior question about what. I think you had asked about what our idea about Ibo's past and um, the possibility of Ibo's future is, or current um, current Ibo ness is, and and I would agree with Amelika. You know, for me, Ibo past was really, you know, like connected to the earth, connected to each other. You know, Ibo was a
1: really community based type culture, and currently, I personally
0: feel like. That's something that, you know, we kind of diverse from because of everything throughout history. And so, you know, evil future would involve coming back to that, coming back to being this earthly, you know, in tune with the earth, in tune with each other, very about the community type of culture that it used to be. And and I just wanted to say that answering that question
2: um i wanted so knight and kenny just just joined us um on the floor so i want to give knight them an opportunity to introduce themselves and and say their piece about what they hear we're talking about so let's start with knight
1: hi hey, uh, my name is knight uh
3: just wanted to say your concept about the chi was spot on because some people just think chi means the christian god but actually is the part of your metaphysics that connects to a higher power, and we've always celebrated that way before the white man brought us really, their religion and their style of civilization, because we've already had our own civilization. So, speaking of evil futurism, um, I think because of all the uh, polarization of our culture now, and the way the world is moving when it comes to integration and stuff, it's going to be really hard to go back to it being that culture that it used to be. Number one, even if we understand that culture is a total way of the life for people, we also know there are some things in our culture that we need to move forward and we need to we need to leave behind. I say this hesitantly because of my heritage because i i come from a family where we're not kings but we're kings we're king makers so we're like custodians of people heritage right so i'm i'm hesitant when i say that because there are some things you are that will still will still not do some of our worships that will still not do anymore some things we've lost because of negligence and the past that to bring it back would take a whole lot of understanding and it still wouldn't be intact if, like the way it was before it was lost take something as simple as worship like back in the day the evos would go to Arochuku once every seven years or as, as often as you can afford to make that trip and do some certain special sacrifices that our forefathers would do then we have other holy lands that we we go to and other communions and festivals we do those traditions are gone. so trying to bring them back especially with respect to futurism we can make acknowledge acknowledgements to them but not really participate in them and the next generation of Ebos coming now the biggest thing we can do is to inform so it would be like when you hear Vikings talk about their heritage and things they used to do in the past. They understand why it's done. They understand how it's done. But most of them can still not participate in it. True and true, because the world is moved forward. So that's what I just wanted to add for them. But I like. Now, can resources. I ask you? Can I ask you a question?
1: Yes, ma'am. Yeah, so you said that you're, um, you come from a family where you're
0: not kings, but you're kingmakers, and I'm really interested in that. I feel like, um, yeah, for me personally, I come from a family of kings and queens, I'm going to say, um, and kingmakers are like something I just started learning about in terms of, you know, what, what do kingmakers actually do? But it's such a, um, I don't feel like a lot of people have access to that knowledge. So I'd love to hear from you, like, what, what has that meant for your family
2: um, and, Be- before know. before before we jump into that, I want to give Kenny an opportunity to to say something, and then we're going to jump right to Knight so that Knight can um, answer your question. Now, Monica, Kenny, do you mind introducing yourself and um, your thoughts on what we've been discussing?
3: Hey, how's it going, guys? My name is Kenny Wanko. I'm from Annabelle. Um I'm, I'm, I'm I love the conversation you guys are having. Uh, I. Um, i'm gonna hold on a 2nd sorry
2: okay mike you can go ahead and answer i question
3: hi Emily. um so you what do you want me to what do you want me to to throw light on what yeah i just, I are, just um, wanted to know i wanted to know like what has being a king
0: what do, what does being a kingmaker mean um, okay. generally exactly. and then also specifically for your family houses for your my church? family okay so, yeah. so you had the, you, you had the phrase before Iweweweze.
1: so that phrase refers to what we used to do
3: before in evil culture where we appoint a king and our king is a representative of our our homogeneous communities but we are not slaves to the king who are subjects on our own accord to the king right now if you contrast that with western monarchy or the arabian monarchies the king has absolute power or even yoruba monarchy like in yoruba kingdom you hear them say owner of life and death and blah 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 in evil culture we don't do that we have different kings Right? What the Ize or the Igwe is the one that we appoint to be our leader. But that Igwe now is has a council. It's similar to what democracy looks like, but that Igwe has a council of nuzes. Those nuzes are leaders of their own clans and hamlets and they are either elected or the role passes on to them because of their age and authority. Sometimes it passes on to them because nobody wants to do it. Now those Anze's in their hamlets and in their clans are elected from a cluster of families. So that is how the democratization comes about. So when your Anze is speaking in the Igwe's council, he's representing his own hamlets. Now that's Anze now, each hamlet may have their own Aladdim. I think that is what Udoji Udo, was trying to explain a little bit, so you may have an Aladimma, which is your own internal Hamlet council that is the the leader. So, in most people culture or most people communities, you may have a a um, a deity, and that deity will have its worshipper or the chief priest. The chief priest is not lower than the king in some respects. In some communities, though, when it comes to the division of power, like for social clans or social things, the AZA is, is the highest. But when it comes to consulting the gods, festivities, festivals, laws, and ethics, that has to do with spiritualism. You know how you guys mentioned, we're not one death culture that goes to the chief priest. The chief priest may be a man, he may be a woman. Then you have... In that community also, you may have custodians of culture and custodians of practices that may or may not be older than the king, may or may not be in the Igwe's direct council. As time goes on in the Igwe culture, some of us have lost that. So let me give you a clear example of where you find something like that if you go to a number of states. And you go to your B of nature. Regardless of who the OB is, he has a council of chiefs, but he also has the custodians of the culture and practices of the Onnicha people. So if your OB dies, or let's say a calamity happens to the culture and all the in Igwe's council passes, the culture does not die away. How to do things is passed down then there are some other families too depending on where you're from or what part of people land you're from that it's a separate job split between the um, the social representative representation of the community versus the cultural heritage depending on clubs and clans and deities and things that are many of them to go into that the king cannot do all by himself So that's how you split up. Now for the king, let's say, when your community wants to change a king, there are communities that say the the kingship has to pass from the king down to his first son. What do you see now in most evil culture though? Most kings now are on a rotational basis, like they rotate within the different hamlets or different villages that makes up your autonomous community. Sometimes how that kingship happens or how it moves may 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 need to be clarified by custodians of your culture or custodians of how you guys have celebrated and do things. Like you see some communities where people that want to be kings that are not supposed to be kings will not even know they're not supposed to be kings and they will try to be kings. I'll give you a quick example of that. Let's say a lady that is unwed gives birth to two kids in her father's house and they don't know who the dads of those kids are. Then the first son dies, maybe when he was an infant. Like let's say he was maybe a year or two and he dies. Then the mother maybe gives birth to a second child or the mother has a second son and now that second son grows up without knowing he is not either. He has a second son, he cannot be king in Igbo land. He tries to run for office or even if he's the first son because his mother was unwed in that community. In eagle culture, he's not supposed to be king of that community. He can be king of his father's place. But if you don't, if his mother is unwed because in Hebrew culture, if they didn't pay the bride price of your mom, then the kid belongs to the wife's or to, to the woman's family. But if the bride price of your mom was fully paid and acknowledged that she's married, then you belong to your father's clan and stuff. So it's not kids who want to run for office. It's the custodians of the culture that explains, no, you can't. Then there are some festivals we do in Igbo culture. Well, actually, there are numerous festivals we do in Igbo culture. The procedures for that festivals are curated or safeguarded by custodians, not kings. So that's what the custodians do.
2: So, um, Knight, thank you so much for for sharing your in-depth knowledge of Igbo culture. And so I wanted to ask you a specific question about the topic of African futurism, I mean Igbo futurism, because you specifically said when you started that... um, there are some things in Igbo culture that we kind of just have to leave in the past. So I wanted to get what your actual thoughts are on which elements would be useful in Africans, in Igbo futurism, in discussions about Igbo futurism, and which elements of the culture you think are just, you know, potentially something that we should reconsider ever even, you know, holding on to. Sure. Right now we're dealing with the whole case of Osu and not Osu. Even if we abolished it twice in Igbo culture, some people still hold on to that. Some people are still holding on to uh, some people's future or, in, or isolating some people in your culture because of
3: their past or their lineage. So that is a very quick one. I can tell you, we need to live in the past. We need to abolish completely. Well, we have abolished it on Igbo, on every part of Igbo land. Now, if you call somebody else, they can literally sue you but some people still hold on to the old notion of that and then another one we sorry I Another
2: one. before we, you go on sorry I don't I, okay. just hold on to what you're about to say so the Osu thing well I don't know if I should just let you say well uh, okay so I have a thought about the Osu thing that kind of like there. there are some people who don't believe that Osu means what a lot of people are saying that it means today. Um or that, you know, the whole um so we we can talk about so, that when so you when
3: go ahead and go ahead and, and say and say what you You want me to take mean, it down that you, road yeah, No because we're talking about ego futurism right Evo can futurism evil, absolutely We almost into ego futurism without first of all exploring what some terminologies mean like the Osu case you're talking about now some people think it's one thing other people do not know it's like four or five different things but go ahead
2: absolutely absolutely so um so i've heard from multiple sources that osu is actually not what like well that there was a history that led people to start calling osu outcasts and that history is not really out it's not really um was kind of a a a, a a a consequence of the colonization and slave trade that what happened was that there were people like osu was kind of like Dedicated to certain shrines, and um, when correct me if I'm wrong. If anybody knows the the correct things, but um, this is what I was told by people back home that Oshu was dedicated to certain shrines, and then um, but they were like priests and custodians of knowledge, and that when but they but it was like uh, forbidden to take some of them as slaves. So there were some families that actually pre- uh, asked to be part of certain, or dedicated to to hide in the shrines and label themselves as osu so they wouldn't be traded. So they got kind of lumped into certain things. But they were saying that before that whole debacle that we didn't really see osu as a bad thing. That's why we have osu in people's names, like wosu, um, oswagu, osuji, things like that. Like osu is not necessarily in Igbo, traditional, historical, classical sense a okay. an outcast but it's it's something that became that as a result and consequence of things that happened. as a result can you speak on that okay
3: yes ma'am so let me tell you this first before i say anything else in this room okay i want every evil kid to understand evil culture is not one thing right it's not one size fits all they are a collection of similar cultures similar languages, similar practices, but they might have slight variation to interpretation. I want that to register. Now, why did I say that? Because what one thing is in somebody else's balance may
1: slightly be different from what it is in your own balance, but we may agree to a convergence of the same ideology in a grand
3: sense. Why am I saying? this? The people that explain Osu to you now, if what they know of Osu is one type, or if the the answer they give to you was to simplify the conversation where they don't confuse you, they're not lying to you, they're not wrong, but it's the truth, it's not the truth or the whole truth. Remember when I said Osu is not one thing? It's like four or five different things. The fashion they told you is correct to some point. So what is Osu, osu is, is Osu just means not necessarily outcast. Osu just means not one of us. Now, that not one of us now is interpreted, interpreted in different ways. The first form of Osu, let me start from where you started. We are we, we have warring factions in all of civilization everywhere on earth. But in evil culture now, back in the day we competed for land, we competed for water, we competed for larger families, and of course a lot of people had slaves even before slave trade. So captured slaves, we are brought in and put in servitude and some of them worked at the behest or at the pleasure of the community or the king or whatever. They grew, they, they, they were some of them were farm slaves. Some of them were spoils of war. As time goes on, those spoils of war now stayed amongst different communities. And in order to look down on them, which is what humanity does in every culture you pick up, They have to be referenced as a lower caste, first of all. Then, there are other versions of Osu that we are gifts to the gods. Literally, we have some parts of African African culture with deities that literally will ask for either the prettiest girl or somebody or something. Some of it, knowing what we know now, was ignorance on the part of the so-called chief priests. Some of it was pure wickedness. Some of it was human greed. But let's not go into why. Let's just stay on focus. Some people were gifted to the gods. Some people that became Osu were used as an exchange for the heads of warriors, the heads of people that had committed sacrilege. On their lands, I'll give a simple example. Let's say a member of of this of a society does something that the community frowns upon, and the chief priest says, "Okay, they will consult the gods, and the gods ask for your head." Then, in order not for you to die, you have to exchange your head now. With a life human sacrifice or some god you take cows and things like that these warriors now either fought or captured people and exchanged them for human sacrifices yes we did i'm sorry to touch that because it's a sensitive conversation for some people but we did we had human sacrifices so sometimes the god may decide to tend to show mercy Keep in mind the spokesman of the, the spokesperson of the god is the chief priest. So those osus now became, became property of the gods, untouchable by the people, and they were kept in the confines of the chief priests. That is another version of osu. There's another version now that some people that are banished from their own kingdom looking for solace or trying to hide or for survival will submit themselves in another kingdom as not exactly slaves, but they come in to be protected and they are looked upon as a lower caste before the community accepts you they have to know what you did sometimes they didn't know what you did but they are considered untouchable that's another version of how this then the one that is really really pitiful is the one that most people don't even talk about which comes from health deficiencies because of permutations in skin tone illnesses things like that when some people get cured or something as crazy as schizophrenia that we couldn't discern back then some people were considered untouchable and their lineage and their kids, we are considered untouchable or inhabitable or not communi- communicable with. So if you look at Igbo culture when you want to marry, we send older people from the village to ask questions. One of the questions they try to ask is that question necessarily does not mean is this person a good person or a bad person? It may also need to madness running their family. Some of you are heard your parents say this. We need to check and see if they have anger issues, if they are criminals, if they if they are good and upstanding um, families in the community. Sometimes the question that back in the day we were
1: asking is who is this person's identity? It's a totality of the person. That information is given. Looking at a holistic person or holistic family are the slaves are the property of the gods that you
3: cannot marry you cannot touch them like some of you that either grew up in Nigeria or read African African literature some of them are like in MoMA in the Concubine and stuff that have spirit gods and things like that so most of those things you read all of it is not just fiction we have similarities of them happening in Igbo culture then is this, does this person have any hereditary three problems Think about what sickle cell does today. Imagine what people would think of it back 100 years ago. They would be like, okay, their family, no matter what they eat, they never grow, and every once in a while they die young, blah, 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 and we don't even know how to cure it. Then think of what
1: acute um, skin pigmentation looks like now.
3: Now imagine that back in the day. And one medicine man just screaming, oh my God, you're an abomination. Nobody should touch you unclean. Then you have other things like leprosy that is an actual illness that is contagious and stuff that most other civilizations will isolate the lepers out of town. In ego culture, if we try to treat you and you contact such deadly disease and anybody that comes close to you, dies, even if people from you or you some part of your family survive, people treated you like an outcast. And then you guys, we have seen that way, even if now your children are cured of the leprosy. That stuff. So, a lot of people that don't understand that are different versions
1: of this, Uzu just think it's just your family, we are slaves, or you guys, you are bad people. No, there were
3: many fat things that caused it. It just means not one of us or outcasts. And then, the Wao Su
1: and stuff was also a moniker given to some of these outcasts to give them a
3: last name. Because the ain't is in Africa, we're in Mewe, As Igbo's, we all know. You are identified by two names. Not just your first name but or your last name but your compound name. So you can be, let me take a simple example,
1: you can be a new owner, but your compound name is Obaraji. You walk into some Igbo compounds and you see them answering their father's first name, while some other cousins are answering their grandfather's first name,
3: or some of them will have compound names. I'm talking about hyphenated names now, like Ojuko. Or this one. Then some of the families will answer. will go somewhere. else or you go. That shows splits and fractions. These days now, we answer whatever we want, depending on what your parents named you. So your father may decide to use the name, the compound name for you or whatever. But back then, your name tied you not just to your clan or to your branch of the of the community. It also signifies what sub-family within the clan you're from so for for usus now that came into our communities both as for refuge or as slaves or for mental problems or in exchange or hiding for solace if we if they if we don't have a last name to identify them some of that ones was just a continuation of the name It didn't mean it didn't mean the same thing. It's just, okay, How they came. So we accommodated them, right? So then they picked up like that. And you find out that the more you look around Igbo culture, the, the places where the Osu, the Osu uh, practices very, very um, prevalent. is where you also have most of those names, and it tends to be in central Igbo land for a reason. If you look at the way Igbos were spread apart in Igbo land between the old Igbo province Arochukum was a centralized land so most of the Ususa, we were running to refuge
1: ran inwards they didn't run outwards if you run outwards you're going into the lands of the Middle Beltans the lands of the West the Western worlds. So and when I'm talking about old Hebrew, I'm adding all of the deltas, the what you know now as learn the deltas and some parts of the airfakes and some parts of the riverine areas, right? So if you take all of that in consideration as Ibo land back in the day, or cousins, Arujuku was in the
3: middle. They were most of them were running towards the hills of the gods. So you add human nature to that, and all of a sudden they classified all usus as abomination. Then you now add human wickedness to that. Conspiracy theorists now started adding their own uh, usun hanishish hanwekora They do this, they do that, they do. and it continues. Now, if one usu now has body odor, boom, the rumor now is all usus have they have a smell because they're isolated to the gods or the abominable and. The ignorance predicated the things that were done to us. some of them were hunted and killed for their land same thing you see in other civilizations then the lies got perpetuated some of them were mistreated for no reason some of them were so dehumanized and so
1: isolated that they literally moved out of evil land if they could and never returned so the reason why now it's such a big deal in Igbo culture is marriage, not necessarily
3: kingship and all that, or possessions, because they also thrive, no matter where they are, they thrive. But marriage, all of a sudden, it became a problem, because love in Igbo culture does not involve one person. It's a family thing. You, that is in a nuclear relationship, you are in love, but if you marry or you act on that love, it becomes a community thing this is the reason why our our pride price is unique the way it is i'm using the word unique because we've bastardized out of it and now we're trying to recoup it again and slip it and this is also one of the things that you know somebody asked me earlier what is one of the things in Igbo culture we need to do away with and we need to do the pasteurization of of pride price i will explain what that means later so It became such a big problem in Igbo land that the only time when Osu's came up was when we didn't want our children to associate with them because of marriage, not just interactions. Then because of stupid beliefs or caste. Osu is a caste system, right? We look down on them and say, okay, these people are lower human beings. You don't have to associate with them and blah, blah, blah. Then God forbid a princess like from another community or from his community, all hell breaks loose. So it became such a big problem that in Igbo culture now, we looked at it, Ibo kings looked at it. I was explaining this five weeks ago in one of these clubhouses, Ibo Ibo rooms. We looked at it and we abolished it in the, in the late 80s, but some people kept practicing it. Then Ibo kings started again 10 years ago. To do some rituals to take care of the gods, like some to cover some of the usus that we are that we are owned by the deities or supposed to be owned by the deities or whatever to cleanse your land. And now in Igbo culture we've banned the concept of Usu. But old habits die hard. There are some families that still will check on it. My family kept on it when every male in my family got married, even if we kicked against that it. That is how that is to tell you how how deeply ingrained it is in evil people. Like we this weedy the younger ones said we don't care. But the older ones still went behind.
2: If you married an evil girl, they checked, how did we find out? We had them talking about, yeah, yeah if, if your blood is in money or blah, 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 We're not stupid. And then some of us that still have moms and aunties, we, 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 we pride it out of them. They checked. Oh, okay. Nice. Also, not
3: to interrupt. Also, uh, we have the
0: issues and when you were talking about people checking. Uh, other cultures now kind of, you know, given this, uh, given that whole idea of a uh, uh credit so because i know in my family you know we some of us married from other cultures and sometimes like a yoruba person would come in to check if somebody was Osu, and that was mind-boggling to me because, it was they know. because she,
1: she <laughs>
2: I, I want to ask uh night because your your explanation Sorry. is is so one, one second one second please uh where are you, where are you the person saying
1: the, their, their family married out and people are asking of Osu so who was who was talking yeah, second
3: okay so yeah we told them how did we tell them 30 years ago remember Hollywood
2: yes oh my
0: god
3: they God. Knew I'm glad they that knew, you bring this up. They knew what the concept was. They didn't know it was as prevalent yes. as it is. And we put it on TV. The whole of yes. Nigeria saw it. I'm so of glad you started. bring your Hollywood. Hollywood I have so much to say about that. Thank you for that. Thank
0: you.
3: All of a sudden, even people that don't understand what we're talking about. We're we're now communicating in half-truths. Then, our kids now that don't even, like, okay, you know, some Igbos that never went to that, never go home or anything, heard it. And it turned into this big hoopla. So, five weeks ago, for five days straight, we were just talking on Igbo culture and Igbo rooms. And we were explaining some things in Igbo culture because
1: we cannot afford to allow outsiders explain our culture to our children because the damage. It's too much. Um, what? It's the same way we are labeled, it's the same way we were labelled greedy in land when everybody else is in Nigeria. Everybody else is as greedy as us. It's the same way we were like, mm, Evil people, people, this, evil people, people, that. But now look at the intermarriages. Then if you look at
3: Nigeria as a whole, imagine Nigeria without evil. Why am I saying this? Am I biased? Absolutely. But we saw firsthand the damage that is done. We when we marry when we marry the western girls or the southern or the or the or the the far east nigerian people we don't go to the house of man and say hey your lineage do they drink pig milk or do they drink cow milk we don't ask them things about their culture we leave it as a union of two people with respect to their families but when it comes to marrying ourselves we bring the fbi (laughs) <laughs> now, why, am I, why am i going here why am i going here imagine how many marriages have been tainted with lying uncles that don't even know the truth mm. or angry uncles i have seen marriages dislodged because got, because what happens back in the day we send more than one person to ask now, because some of us live in cities, some of us are losing our culture. Some of us are losing our connection with the fear that okay, everybody wants to kill you when you have when you have muscle pull in your house. It's your village people attacking you when you lose your life to diabetes. Ah, Emelia, let she- me ask let she me ask you a
2: question. You. I I'm sorry to interrupt you, but I just want you to go back a little bit to the osu topic real quick um i wanted to because you said that there's some things that people are still practicing with regards to osu and it sounds to me like osu is just a thing that people look at and say okay because if if it's true that osu is just a category of people who are like maybe six or six different types of people who are just lumped into this concept of being Kind of uh, apart from the community, um, and set set aside as like we don't marry them or we don't have. What exactly are those specific things that are communal, 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 community wide practices that? that kind of preserve the idea of Osu. And I'm asking that question because I would like the people who are listening and that who may have observed some of those practices to kind of be conscious of it and um, in, in case they're inadvertently kind of preserving something that potentially could be harmful for the Ebo community. So I want to hear what your thoughts are on that. So this is, this is something we're going to take straight back to the village, right? Because you won't see the cities easily. Number one, where we left them, own property
3: and where we let them live. They are normally secluded from the primary community. Like if you drive around your village, some of us that have what they call, Ibu, Ibu, call Lopolo, which is the inside or the older part of your family. Some families will move their, their whole homestead out towards the market square. Then you have farmlands in your, in your ancestral parcel of land Who we'll move your zones to the outskirts of the city or to the boundaries, but they are noticeably isolated. If you come into our markets, which is which plays a very central role in evil life, where they sell, most people who isolate them and no wanna sell, no want to buy from them because of ignorance, then they are now made to sell their wares in other communities. That may not sound like a problem to you, but imagine back then before we had bicycles, to carry your wares to a different community that may be tens of miles away, to go sell because you cannot sell it within your own community because you're isolated or ostracized. Then, uh, let's see, there are some Igbo communities that had farmlands that did deep crop rotation, farming, that the farmlands will be, will, be, will be shared amongst every married woman whose husband is alive no matter if he's incapacitated or whatever, as long as he's alive she will get a, farm, a piece of farmland to farm on sometimes we didn't give the usus or if we gave them we gave them the rubbish part of land or they got they got the, what was left after everybody else or every wife in other families have already received, so think of polygamous families now where a man has five wives the portion of land they would get will be five times bigger than the one one who will get. But since now we already penalize them through marriage, that is very difficult for them to marry. Sometimes they will need to find another usu to marry. They may not even have land to farm, so they will literally farm around their houses. That restricted even their nutrition. That restricted their 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 purchasing power, and it made things extremely difficult for them. Those practices, some communities, even if we're abolished, you cannot reverse that because some families own bigger portions of lands and stuff. So most of them immediately, Christianity, education came into our culture. A bunch of of them moved out to different cities. You see sometimes you see some families that have one or two uncles in the family that never wants to come back, and they're just in Abba. They're literally in the that literally like literally 30 minutes ago away, but they never want to come back home because they feel like they're not attached to the land and they don't have any ancestry going backwards. And there's another thing most people don't talk about. Back in Igbo culture, when we give birth to male children, your placenta is planted in your
1: ancestral land and that's where the word the the phrase your roots, your these are where your roots are. That's where that came from. Literally. Because most
3: of us we are not born in the land, most of them don't feel like they are attached to the land. I'm, re- I'm, I'm saying this now to refer you back to your ex culture. There's, there's a reason why that word ex culture means a whole lot. So these are some things that sometimes some communities still keep going. That some of it, some of it, it is not being able to address the ills and wrongs that we are done to the sous. Some of it is nobody even knows how to go about rectifying the problems. But the major one that destroys them till tomorrow is human nature. Like even if some people know it is wrong. Even the so called evils now that are so into the white man religion and Christianity and stuff will still restrict their children. From mingling, marrying, interacting, or even doing business. The funniest part is there are communities that rely on the usu when they need money. Because most of them, because their whole life they've been isolated or marginalised, they actually turn out to be hardworking people. And if you remember what I told you, that two thirds of usus are actual people, are actual slaves, or people that came to find solace or refuge. They are hard-working people, so they come from that stock. So, when you see their enterprise, since they've all they've been used, they're already used to doing two times the work to be able to feed, two times the work to be able to sell their wares, two times the stock to be able to marry. When civilization came in, and they moved out to cities or they were still in some communities, they literally passed down. That heritage of hard work to their people. So that actually many of them are actually very successful, extremely mm-hmm. successful. So communities still rely on them sometimes. You know, so those are some of the so those are some of the ills, then of course the stigma, which is stupid. We all as black people can relate to that living in different parts of the country, it's just stupidity, right? So the stigma it, it kills them even more you see a pretty relationship of people going through something and uh, and it's like somebody just poured tar all over your body like hot tar all over your body so the stigmatization is the worst and that stigmatization is presumed on what? nothing but hate and stupidity which is a very toxic combo for evils imagine how brilliant evils are Now I want you to flip that brilliance into ignorance and stupidity. Now watch how powerful and weep that is. Especially when it's intentionally weaponized. Then you now throw in our tongue, which is some of the worst in Africa. I'm sorry to say, because this is my heritage, but egos will tell you things that will make you think four times about yourself and let them have an iota of facts that okay like we well, are discussing Osu. let's say yeah, uh, are truly your great great grandfather was your actual slaves
1: at mm-hmm. all right I think I've answered that what okay. sorry sorry I'm not trying to call us but I think we are displacing Osu with Oru. You understand know what I mean? Okay. Uh, yes. Osu I'm and like, Oru is different All Oru is slaves, right? Osu is a different thing all a tile and that's where, like,
3: we get it mixed up. Also, sorry, so what's we'll to me? Olisa, Olisa, Olisa. I'm not seeing Olisa. Okay, I see you. I'm fresh. Ol- I, I did, I did. Olisa, sorry, were you here earlier when I was explaining different kinds? Guys, okay. I, I did mean, I explained Oru, but I didn't, I didn't call, call it Oru because I don't want to confuse the people I was talking to. Yeah, right. we, we need, we need to make that a, a distinction. Or, I can, I can, but go ahead. Okay. So. Oru is slave. YOC is someone that, in essence of because of war or because of anything, um, was um, placed to the God's hands for the cause to protect them. Right? There's two things people not, do not. The reason why people do not associate with them is out of the scare, uh, out of the fear because we retaliate if anything were to happen to them. And uh, um, when Christianity came it was like, oh, I don't want the extra ancestral curse that comes with being associated with a deity that I don't know. Some Osus are actually from the village. So they are not all. All is different from us. That's why I'm trying to... And I always, when I come to where um, this, you know, discussing this, I want to make it clear that but they say, in eco-culture back in the days, there we are feared, they we are respected as people that was blessed by the gods. That's why you can hear someone answer most it means someone a child blessed by the gods. It doesn't
1: necessarily mean
2: that were so, so we talked about that earlier, Olisa, and that was actually what led Knight. Night actually went into a lot of details know, just to just to avoid, you know, kind yeah, of to go back and
3: keep yeah Olisa, mm-hmm. I don't know what one I explained all kinds I all five of it. Plus, from the ones that came to uh, came to look for refuge, the ones that we are that we are giving to the gods, both for exchange, the ones that are given for exchange or sacrifice, the ones that are placed in the hands of the gods for yes for protection, the ones that we are made we are made isolate because of ignorance of diseases and sicknesses like leprosy,
1: like know I anointing, all those stuff. I explained every one of it. The only thing I can do, I explained the slavery one too. The only and I also explained the Christianity influence coming in, and I explained the name. What the I did was explain to them that okay, some things people call Sue also means oh, oh yes, yes. So you're mm. just explaining the same things I've already done. Yeah. The reason you
3: know your culture. But
0: thank you, Elisa, for using the word O. Oh.
3: Yeah, because the reason why I draw it up is whenever like I see people talk about it, right? I don't believe in it. I don't like practice it, but I like people to make the differentiation because they are always like, I like how you extend it to someone and people. I want to make sure that it is explained better so everyone will understand it and have the full, you know, um, conversation about it. And I love having this conversation. That's why um, I actually joined. I actually raised up my hand. Yeah. yeah. If I if I had a you here, yeah, I'm actually bounced because I was telling them five weeks ago we handled this for like five days straight. Like I don't know if you see some people coming into the room and leaving, but I've actually seen two of my friends that already came in less a little bit about it, And I also explained to the room that why we're engaging and explaining this is because for the longest of time, different people and outsiders have been explaining our culture. In the especially I that I was late I explained, I explained that and I soon explained to them how you know Hollywood of course bastardized a bunch of things that some people did and he took it and ran with it Today, you their uroba see if you something they don't even understand and all that, anyways. Um, so, don't you, have, you you? had a question about me. Sorry, Olisa, we're explaining African security, so we have to explain our heritage before moving forward and adaptations of our culture and how to return to some parts of it because we we know we cannot get all of it back. Exactly. Our revolts and our sacrifices, and you know how back in the days they have to go to the heels of the gods once every seven years to make sacrifices, things like that. And apart from that, I'm on social media. I'm sorry to say it. There are some things we're going to hold off because I've been in a room one day where somebody was asking me procedures of of um, some some serious or conco festival, and I'm like, I'm not telling you that. No, no. And they got mad. If you want that, if you want go to your village. Go to your, go to your village. So. I, I, I held that one back and they felt like I was hiding something. I'm like, no, because I explained to them that, okay, some of us are kings because why some of us are kings. So they wanted to understand what an like not confess and I'm like, no way. But because I mentioned in passing that, yeah, there were sometimes back in our history that we had human sacrifices to clean up sacrileges, and they wanted to know what kind I explained the one about Jesus. I didn't explain the other ones. I didn't explain transitioning
2: kings. I didn't explain body parts and stuff like that of kings that we have withdrawn for different reasons. And so why I'm saying that is because from the way you came in, you know your cultures. I don't want you to I don't want you to touch that. Only a black children man. Okay. So Yeah, so um I I will I will wrap this room in about ten minutes, but I wanted to um bring it back, bring it in a little bit because really the purpose of this room and I and I also wanna have this room um be a regular occurrence because we are really not do we like it? It can't be done justice in one conversation. We we've been talking for almost two hours now, and it can't be done justice in one conversation. So I want to have this room to be a regular occurrence. Um, at different times of the day, so that different groups of people can be, have an opportunity to have the conversation and have different specific topics, because going in depth into Osu and Oru, um, I know I'm pronouncing it wrong with my, with my speech impediment called beke, but, um, <laughs> at the end of the day, uh, going deep into topic about one particular concept can really help a person who is thinking about Igbo futurism to, like, Think creatively, because when we started this conversation, and Tochi and Ekene and 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 we were all talking about like how it's important for us to know our culture in order for us to build on it. That was that is that led perfectly into night going into depth about certain specifics of Igbo culture. So what I really would like to do is to, um, allow Tochi and the people who are already on the floor to help close us out by kind of, you know, if they have, if you can share your thoughts kind of in wrap of what we've talked about as far as like Igbo futurism, what, like, just whatever your thoughts are, I'll start with, with this. I can definitely see what night you meant when you said that, um, that, that like Osu, the practice of it in today's day, the way it's currently being practiced, is something that we should question. Because clearly, it didn't come from, it didn't start the way it is now. It's been turned into something that is that's harmful to the community because we are now treating a, a sect of people in a way that is really really like shameful and doesn't do them justice and credit and when we're doing that to a segment of our own community there's no way that we can call ourselves like we can't really look at ourselves as as with pride when we're saying that we're doing this to our brothers and sisters so it's something that we should question and we should it should be you know uh addressed and the way that Nollywood has mishandled the situation according to, you know, it has been mishandled in in Nollywood itself. Um, I believe that certain things in Igbo futurism, such as media, since we know how powerful media is, how powerful Nollywood and books and radio conversations and things of that nature are, that that could be one of the um, approaches using media as a tool. To reconcile or rectify some of these challenges in, um, in, in our culture. And that could be like the, that could be one of the impetus to, to, to Igbo futurism. And I want the speakers to each one by one, starting from Tochi, then they and then I only got the Nonyan and I, it can be only if you're on your, only if you're willing to say like one thing that they think they can, um, that they think would make sense for Igbo futurism going forward in light of like what we know about things that could be, you know, that we should reconsider or anything at all. Um, just to close us out. Cause I, I would like, like to close the room. It's late. <laughs> in my, where I am. <laughs> um, yes, that was beautiful. And thank you so much for sharing your knowledge. Thank you, Alisa as well for keeping us on toes. Um, I really appreciate all the, the wisdom that's been shared today and i just feel this is a testament to the power of storytelling
0: which i am a huge advocate of um it, it can it has its multi-potential it can be used to destroy the peoples as uh colonialism did um and have how the retelling the incorrect retelling of um the definitions and experiences of osu have destroyed or um you know, punishing people that have been categorized that way, and how the retelling in this space has enlightened a lot of us, if not all of us, um, as to the truth and the nuance of that um, that word. Uh, I feel that you know, moving forward with able futurism, um, storytelling has to get the root. Not only is it our um, our tradition, you know, uh, we have a very rich world tradition, but um, I believe that storytelling is a way to. Um, re-examine our identities to re-evaluate our power and our agency to um, re-establish what possibilities we can claim for ourselves and how to make them accessible. So that in the form of photography or digital art or music or writing, whatever it is, I feel that um, telling stories, uh, creating stories and collaborating um, with each other with this anchor in our history and the truth of our individual experiences is um, how I feel we should move forward, or at least how I would be moving forward.
1: Hi, everyone. Um, I
0: agree with you, Tochi, and thank you, Knight, um, for you know your in-depth in um, history on Osu and Oru. Uh, I believe I've been in another room with you, and I heard you go down there, and I you know, enjoy and appreciate your sharing your um, information with with us because uh, unfortunately, some of us have. Older family members who should be keepers of the culture, who because of um, their indoctrination to Christianity are not interested in that role anymore. So sometimes it's harder to be able to reach out to someone to give you, you know, kind of some experiences with evil culture. So and you know to to continue with what she was saying for evil future, for, to 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 move to a, a, a few uh, an evil futurism continue with our stories of the past and you talked you uh, not talked about some traditions that will be left behind and some traditions that have to be left behind and the only way to know which is which would be through understanding you know our past and knowing where we have come from as a people you know um And talking about how Nollywood, you know, I I was sitting with my grandmother and my mother yesterday watching these movies, and I made the same comment. And I told them, I was like, do you guys really think what Nollywood has done to us is good? But, you know, that's a conversation for another day. That should be a whole room on its own. And, um, but in all of that, I, I think that, what we are doing in these spaces of social media. And I hope that when we, whenever we go back home, we share that with people and they share with us as well. Is the right, It's I feel like it's the right step, is this a step in the right direction? Thank you. Yeah, thank you, everyone. I, I am really grateful um, for this room and um, just to hear everyone's perspectives. And um, I thank you as so well for like, just that rich um background um we were talking about self-determination earlier and how that plays into eco-futurism um you know the ability for us to sort of shape what we want to become and what we are in the present without feeling sort of shackled either to our ancestors or to um to anyone else just to be able to take the best of everything and um i was thinking about those the frameworks within which self-determination can be meaningfully pursued. Um, so just going back to some of the things that we've talked about, I think that for me, I'm going to spend a little, I'm going to spend more time thinking about like crafting a contemporary philosophy for equal people and how that's, and just looking at the different ways that people are documenting that. I don't think it's just, you know, one way or one paper or anything like that. I think that um, we have to look at like all different mediums and forms, whether it's media um, or it's written text or it's just how people are interacting with each other, and start to like really meaningfully document that and try and shape a collective understanding of what our philosophy is. And then that kind of goes hand in hand with, um, you know, thinking about aesthetic. So while um, Knight was talking, I was actually picturing like very vividly, like images. Um, I was kind of picturing what people, people are like and uh, you know even just in the way that you kind of do like as, as a child and everything like kingdoms and things like that obviously this is present day stuff and i'm fully aware as well um but just thinking about like if we zoom outwards and we look at the composite the quilt of um you know what makes up who we are and obviously it's not just one evil culture it's equal cultures um how do we want to see ourselves um, so I'm just gonna be spending a lot more time
1: thinking about both philosophy and sort of aesthetic because I think they're both really important. like i want I want to think about like the yeah, the how we see ourselves, how we want to see ourselves and how other people see us, but mostly how we see ourselves, and then um, you know what is our kind of what is the what is the thought that we're or the
0: knowledge that we're putting out into the world about how to how to navigate life. Um, And what are we leaving behind for people to come afterwards? Because in thinking about the future, I also want to think about, like, who's going to come next, not just, like, a future for us who currently exist.
2: um, If Nonye, Nonye, are, are you going to say something, or should we just skip tonight? Okay, Knight. I think if you have some some closing words, then you can go ahead. Yeah, real quick. Uh, thank you guys for listening, and also thank you, Isla, for coming in lastly. At least I didn't I didn't want this to be a monologue, so that was good. And Doji, let me touch something you just mentioned real quick. Our adults, because of Christianity, not handing down culture, that also plays into sometimes. It's uh, sometimes it's negligence because there are a bunch of us that our parents, our families became Christians. Like when I mean Christians, don't my family have nine reverend fathers in it for the Catholic side, then four nuns. Then you have the ones that actually now stepped it up into Pentecostalism, like my folks, like my actual parents. But that does not negate the explanation of culture, even Christianity. Literally tells you to give unto Caesar what is Caesar. So a lot of people ascribe that to just money. When, when Jesus was talking about the taxes, but if you read the whole chapter everything, it was saying the edits of the land and the edicts of the land. And you notice that from when Jesus was born, his family still kept census. Whenever there was Passover, those are not things that had anything to do with Christianity, those were cultural festivities and cultural heritage things when it was time to move out of your father's house or go keep your father's sheep or go to work, do things, do everything that was communal, he didn't object to being God the Son. I'm saying this for the interest of Christians. So explaining the heritage and explaining the culture does not, or being Christian, does not predicate or kill of explaining the culture. And that's something that we need to do. Mom as Egos. And that thing is, some of us don't ask questions. And they're looking at us, especially those of us that live in the diaspora or that left the, the village. Some of these things that I'm explaining now, evil kids get it. kids that are raised in the village get it as informal training. They just know because they're they are, they are exposed to regret. they, they do into their livings. But then what happens when you go back? Even if you live in Lagos or you live in or whatever, whenever you go to the village, they treat you. As a foreigner, even if they know your family, like, they don't bother you about some things. So, those of us are not clamoring for things like stories. If you're an 80s baby or a early 90s baby, you remember when you went to the village, you ran
3: around in your compound, you, you, you hung out with your cousins, you did story time, you told you things that are close to you back then that makes sense later. You had phrases that you didn't know what they meant, but they lodged in your brain. So, finally, when you had the same phrases in music or you saw them in media or you write something about them or you have people conversing and use them you tied on that it spoke to you again because you've been exposed informally to it sometime. that is another thing we need to we need to do especially for those of us now that understand the void created by our parents not making it really really a maniac stick for us to go through and our culture into to Right, then uh, how are we going to do this? Education. Nollywood with media, the same way they throw out Osu and Osu. We can do a whole production. Both, and when I mean Hollywood I'm not just talking about, okay, can I, can I, can I act? We can also do a better series. I'm looking at you for futurism. We can also do print media. We can do cartoons. We can do things around. We can do books. I and mean, there are a lot of people doing this. We can do books, but the more we inform our people, the better it is because the more you know, the less you fear, or the less confused you get, right? Then we need to bring back storytelling. There is something about storytelling that is not just telling a story. The morals hidden in the storytelling is more important than the stories. It is the fastest way we train people children from the morals of storytelling, they learn the morals of idioms and then idioms now become short think of idioms as short stories within conversation. I want to give it a different look. You know you've heard explanations of idioms as oh the 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 oil with which words are in I want you to look at them as a snapshot story of a phrase or a sentence that is Concise, but gives you everything you need to know within the framework of that idiom or that phrase. Storytelling encourage that, right. Then think about healing. A lot of you talk about okay, I was messing with somebody that other right day, and I was like, Yeah, you guys go, you guys go on your vacation on, around Machu Picchu, I blah, blah, blah. know, 10,000 people slaughtered. If I tell you to come back now, let's go stand in the world, and I tell you, this is an evil forest you take off. You will never come back to village anymore because you don't understand the healing powers that are in your own land of picking up the red sand in your hand and touching it, or eating the oil that comes from your own community, or subjecting yourself to medical arts and stuff like that. I don't want to go all mad and you, but ever wondered why autism, some spectrum of autism, or some kinds of autism on the autism spectrum that is a deficiency in protein, protein do not really affect us. Some of us still hold on to our heritage by drinking herbs and medicines that come from our own land because the healing is different. Some of you don't sage that you don't even know it's And if I give you the same sage from your village, you start looking at it like a village people. So that comes from understanding, right? Like healing takes care of that. Then, the last number I'm to add there is tribal importance. The whole reason why we're talking about ego futurism is why are we important? Who are we? Oh, is it just Black Panther? But were we were Black Panther before that, before a white man. I had civilization, I had organization,
2: I had continuity, I had food, I had medicine, I had my own God, I had my own civilization and inputs, I had my own industry. We understand training, we understand war, we understand forgiveness, we understand empathy, which is part of the whole lawsuit we are talking about. To protect some people from adverse effects or adverse problems that will come to them. We understand sacrifice, we understand worship. We understand dance as a form of worship. We also understand dance as a form of greeting. We understand dance as a form of motherhood. We understand dance as a form of celebration. We understood dance. As a form of food, the different versions of our dance and what it did to us. Then think about dance as a sport when we compete with it. We also understood dance as communication between the gods and man. That's where you see your mouth and stuff. We understand it also as play. Like if you go down to your chest and see your gamma and stuff, they're masquerade, but they're jovial. Why? So all of these things would actually become opportune. I will help explain, if I'm not. Sorry, guys, we were explaining this for four to five hours, five days straight, five weeks ago. So we'll try and help whenever we can come into your rooms. But (laughs) we don't know that. We don't know So, thank you everybody for participating like this has been really informative. I so appreciate all of you and the feedback that you've given. Um, Again, I think, you know, what. anytime you see in the EBO club and EBO futurism topic come up next time. I'll have a very specific topic. I'm thinking maybe the next one will be on gods, but like what is what what? Not necessarily specific ones, but the point being, I would love to um, have that com- have another conversation with everyone, and I look forward to to the next one. Thanks, everybody. Bye.
0: Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Is clubhouse glitching for anyone?
2: Yeah, it's glitching for me. It It might be a
0: 5,000 room somewhere. Oh, okay. Yeah. I'm really
3: looking forward to a conversation on God. So it's something I've been thinking about a lot. Just also in my personal U- Udoshi, uh, hey, do you have um, Are you uh, following nights? Uh, I just followed him. Yeah, I was about to tell him that I'm hosting um Akuki for Group tomorrow by nine PM if he wants to come and, you know, do the Ebo Fog Like, you know? Mm-hmm. Because I want us to like actually it's something that I used to do when I was small. You gather around the fire and your grandmother tells you a story, mm-hmm. and after that they ask you what you learn from it, right? Yeah. I was think- I was thinking if you can recreate that, and I was hoping he has some stories that he would like to share, and we can see them all.